Oh, somebody's been fooling around with my juice harp, said the middle-sized bear. Somebody has busted the mouthpiece on my kazoo, said the big bear. The little bear just sat and picked his teeth and smoked his pop and knew what was happening. <laughs> Here's a cartoon. Is in tonight's post. The VIP, VIP, Virgil Parch. What cartoon shows these three guys, and one guy in the middle is introducing one guy to another guy, and the other guy is he's he's introducing him. He says, "George, meet Cosgrove here, greatest plunging fullback." Slippery rock teachers ever had. And you see uh, Cosgriff, who has uh, his head, is battered down in his chest. And you can just see him peering out from under the buttons of his shirt. Cosgriff, meet him. Greatest plunging fullback slippery rock ever had. Thump, thump, thump. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, uh, don't come quoting Snoopy to me. The next time somebody quotes Snoopy to me, I think I'll fall up. Yeah. This is getting so precious that I'm, it's making my teeth itch. And then, well, by the way, speaking of relevance, uh, tonight uh, I'm walking past this uh, joint on Times Square, see, and, uh, and hey, it's Friday night, Groovy, hey, oh, that means tomorrow night. I'm always, uh, you know, Friday's always a great night, because uh, it's, a, it's a night of great expectations. We're quoting Charles Dickens here. It is a night of great expectations. The weekend is coming up over the horizon like some great candy-striped peppermint-showered, enormous, beautiful chocolate chip coming over the horizon and bringing with it all manner of sneaky goodies. Yeah, I'm the chic. I'm chic. Your love belongs to me. That night when you're asleep. Into your dead pal, creep, 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 oh, the stars above will shine. About Rudy, Tootie, Sacky, Sacky, Fingity, Fangle, Alright, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. You can see I've been heavily influenced by Slim Gaylord. And, uh, that's like being heavily influenced by a pig bladder. You know, speaking of uh, of a pig bladder, how you like this for chutzpah, friends? A comedy writer for television called up and asked me to please give this comedy writer a routine, which I had done on my show last week. This comedy writer thought it would make a nice routine for the comic that that comedy writer is writing for. Total chutzpah. Let's give a salute to that type of chutzpah. Oh, the monkey's got things of brass. Yes, sirree. And when the weather gets icy cold, cold enough to freeze a monkey. After a bird, we will go, 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 go. The coin is popping in the fields tonight, and shortly the birds will sing.
Oh, that's enough. That's enough. Already I can see those letters written in purple ink. Mr. Shepard, if you don't stop that terrible kazoo and that, that, uh, choose hard playing, my husband Charles and I will be forced to listen to another station. And once again, time, tithe, and the affairs of men march on. But, uh, I don't know how to approach this, you know. I, you know, so you want to hear nitty-gritty stories. Now, I've had all kinds of experiences, as all of us have. You know, this walk around here, it's Friday night, and I remember one fantastic Friday night that happened to me a few years ago. Because a lot of stuff happens on Friday night, because on Friday night you have a feeling that, uh, you know, it's the weekend, the weekend will last forever. And, uh, all right, we might as well get relevant. Revelant. Do the guys in the morning bow revelant? I mean, revelant, revelant? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, uh, you know, the way I feel tonight. That's Friday, you know, it's, everything's groovy. I'm going flying tomorrow. And, uh, just, uh, you just watch, you know, I'll be up there about, you know, I'll be peering down at Jersey. Making, it's, it'll be a field trip, yes, it'll be a field trip. And uh, I'll be up there, maybe four or five thousand feet. And uh, there's nothing more beautiful than New Brunswick at four thousand feet. That's get any closer than that, it turns out to be New Brunswick. So I would suggest that you stay about four thousand feet above New Brunswick, or to the side, or to the left, or maybe below it. But uh, it's uh, exciting. And one Friday night, if you will, Herb. Now you got that other one there. All right, now wait, now hold it there. Now careful, I see. We're constantly getting euchred in life. And, uh, I hear Larry Josephson uh, quoted me the other night again. Huh? Did you hear that? Larry Josephson on BAI? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. We got a little underground going here. But uh, nevertheless, uh, <laughs> it's not so underground. How underground can you be with 50,000 watts in New York? But uh, nevertheless, uh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, you know, walking down through Times Square tonight and I guess the reason I'm a little skittish tonight, uh, since it is Friday, I had a little bit of a traumatic experience. Oh, by the way, speaking of traumatic experiences, we have uh, we have uh, tonight's assignment. You are assigned. This is uh, no uh, if ands, or buts. This is an assignment. You are assigned to read my piece, uh, County Fair, in the current Playboy magazine. This will be appearing, of course, in the Blue Book exams. I repeat again, it is in the current or the September issue of Playboy magazine. The title of it is County Fair. And uh, you are required to read this. This will come up uh, later on when I start my uh, college uh, dates, my college performing, which will begin in a couple of weeks, the first school day. When is the first school day, by the way? I'm just trying to think here now. It's a couple of weeks, not too far away. The first school date. Uh, boy, I, I, uh, to me, this is more fun than, uh, you know, walking around. Uh, what is it? We're getting the uh, the report here. The first date will be, it is now appearing on our magic blackboard, the first date will be, and this is an answer to some queries and some complaints, the first date will be, hold it up, what are you doing? Are you writing the Magna Carta in there, baby? Holy smokes, I'm appearing in the Indianapolis Pyrotechnic Dental School. Oh, September 26th. So that's uh, in 20 days, roughly. September 26th will be a fairly ridiculous... I mean, every year it happens. I will be at fairly... Fairly Dickens. I repeat. Fairly... 
You know, I knew one guy one time that fluffed the same spot six times running, and the spot was perfect, circle, piston rings. I'm serious, and it was on the network. I repeat, you can get yourself into such a terrible maelstrom, a bog of quicksand, that you think you're sinking right up past your hocks. So I repeat, I will be September 26th at Fairly. I'm not saying it. it's that school over there. They got two names, fairly ridiculous. And uh, there are, uh, and uh, yeah, well, I did it. I said, "Kilvers up bread." But uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we're going to be at the fairly ridiculous, uh, fairly, fairly Dickinson. I'm sorry, that's a serious school, the Rutherford campus, the 26th of September. You know, speaking of uh, of terrible bloops. One time, I was on the air, and it was a big network spot that I was doing on the air. It was one of these network cuts where you, you feed in on a network show, and it was the entire Midwest. And uh, Now, I don't know what made me do this, but it was for Pepsi-Cola. Yeah, it was a Pepsi spot. And, and uh, for some reason or other, they had, they had a different commercial that they were doing in the Midwest. So when the, and this was fed on, on the Midwestern leg of the network, see? So when the announcer on the network show, it was on television, the announcer on the network show, he, he, uh, he started his cutaway by saying, And now we'll get back to Big George in just a moment and the last episode of tonight's Naked City. But first, and immediately, of course, on came this, uh, this Pepsi-Cola spot, coast to coast. Well... We cut out the voice, see, and I came in. I was the voice. And I do not know why to this day. Every time I came to the word Pepsi-Cola in the spot, I said Coca-Cola. <laughs> I mean, you could say anything. You could say four-letter words, and you wouldn't get people madder than to say the name of the opposing product. And I, I just did it. And it wasn't until it was all over. I did it for one solid minute, I must have said it for 19 times didn't know I was saying it. And after it was all over, I came back in. And the producer's got a funny look on his face. He said, do you know what you said? I said, no. He said, would you care to hear it played back? We have a tape of it. It might be kind of uh, educational. I said, well, yeah, I, I like to hear, you know, whether my timing is right. He says, oh, it's a little more than your timing. You're, you're, you're really getting uh, very interesting. In your... And he played the spot. And by that time, of course, the phones were lighting up. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they lit up. I mean, and the other night, uh, in fact, it was tonight. Uh, you know, time goes so fast and so peculiarly here in New York. You, you never know what day it is. And I'm walking through Times Square. And all of a sudden, out of one of these record shops, they got about 2,500 uh, really uh, shoddy record shops on Times Square. You know, they got all kinds of wild stuff going on in them. And uh, they don't necessarily sell the kind of music that you listen to, friend, out there on your big stereo. They sell other stuff in those record shops. And I'm walking down the street there, eating my taffy apple, when all of a sudden, out of the, out of the front of the store comes a blast of music, you know? I just want you to listen to this for a second. Which means nothing to you, doesn't it? Nothing, I'm sure. Nothing. It means nothing whatsoever to you, right? Reset it, will you, Big Herb? Nothing, right? Well, I'm going to tell you, man. I'm going to tell you. Want to hear? You want to hear some sounds? If you think, if you think you've heard guys blow sounds, listen. One Friday night, about two years ago, three, maybe four years ago, 
and there's no reason to give you any preface to this story. Let's just say one Friday night, late at night, I am in the Bronx by myself, and I'm going to this place. And it's a, it's a, it's an ordinary looking, like a, about a six story apartment house, you know, these really square type apartment houses, and uh, just you know concrete brick and stuff. And I'm going to the fourth floor, and I'm going to apartment 4D. You got it. I remember it distinctly because of what later happened. Never forget it. I get into the downstairs in the apartment. It's kind of a shoddy, just an ordinary apartment. You know, typical, off, just off fashionable Fordham Road. Right, uh, you know, at, at within the hollering distance of magnificent Alexander's, the Taj Mahal of the Bronx. And uh, so I, oh, there's, listen, tomorrow morning. At 9 o'clock, they will be assembling outside of the Alexanders there for the Saturday ritual, the Saturday religious rites, which are always held at Alexanders uh, in the Bronx. So I, 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 I'm, it's dark. It's about 2 in the morning. Now, a lot of you guys think that Shepard has only experienced things when he was a kid. Well, you hear this one, Dad. It's about 2 o'clock in the morning, see? It's the Bronx. And I get out of the subway, and there's a cold wind blowing in off the Hudson. You can smell it. You can smell a little of the East River there. And you can smell a little Secaucus in the air, you know. The, the, you can smell Jersey. It's, 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 a, it's a brisk fall night. And you know what happens in the fall? And it's already beginning to happen. You can see the, the sap rising in the veins of people walking up and down the streets. Even though they pretend they dig summer, they do. But there's something that happens when that little cold air comes. Something strange. A lot of little relays begin to tick over in you. And you feel these deep, uh, these deep, uh, un totally uh, floating, uh, unspecified, uh, free-form yearnings, whatever they might be. It's a kind of get you, see. And so I'm, I'm walking down Fordham Road. I turn, I walk down this road, and I'm in front of this apartment house. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, see, and you can see it's dark. So I go into the, I go into the lobby, and I go up in the elevator, and I go back through this dark, long corridor to apartment 4D. It's a green door. One of those green metal doors, you know. And this is a completely un... Uh, can't... Just totally undistinguished. You can't even describe the hall. It's just a hall. A hall. Brown wallpaper. Green door. Nothing. And I stop in front of 40. And I hear very faintly coming out of it. Just sneaking out from under the door. Jammed there. Just sneaking out. I stand in front of the door, see. It says 4D, and the decal where the D is has partly, partly been pulled off. It's kind of a half a D there. So I say, okay, this is the place, see. And I have been invited here, and I know nobody here. Except I've been invited by somebody who is supposed to be a friend of mine. And uh, I, I couldn't figure out why it was. They wanted me to tap twice, count two beats, and tap a third time. You don't often get that kind of invite, see? So I said, well, you know, maybe it's a their religious thing or something. Who knows, you know? I never question the guy's beliefs. I never do. So I arrive out in front of that green door, and I can hear this sneaking out. This this very thing is a sneaking out from under that door jam, see? So I take them old knuckles of mine, see? And I go, and I'm counting one, two. That's pretty good. I got a pretty good beat. I'm bad. And I wait. Then all of a sudden I hear this thing cut. Now it is silence. 
they have heard knocking at the door. And I wait. Nothing but silence. So I figure maybe, uh, better try it again. scratching on the knob and the door slowly swings open I see nothing nothing but blackness in there nothing and then I see a slight glint there is one eye peering out of that darkness and then the door swings open a little bit further I see more darkness I'm getting a bigger slice of the black. Look in there. Then I hear a voice say, Come in. Okay. <laughs> so I slide into the darkness and the door closes. And then from over in the corner, somebody turns the machine on again. I'm in. I'm inside. And it is so dark I can't even, I'll tell you, I can't even see the inside of my skull. It is so dark. And I stand there for a minute, and the voice says, come on in. I say, okay. I'm playing it cool now. You never know. See, I'm in the middle of, I'm in the middle of the deepest Bronx. I might as well be in the Antarctic. I mean, it, there ain't no nationality, ain't nothing here. There's just, there's just dark and sound. And then I begin to smell that sweet smell. Oh, there's a sweet smell in the air. And then my eyes begin to get adjusted. See, I got them retinas in my eyes. I was fitted with them when I was a kid. See, I got retinas. And my retinas begin to open up. It's kind of like the focal planes begin to open up there. And I begin to see that they, they got a, a blue light bulb. You ever been in a room, friends, where they got a blue light bulb down near the, down near the floor? And this stuff is just playing out, see? And the next thing I know, I see nothing but bodies riding on the floor, see? And I know there's a home, you know? I know there's something going on here. This is, this is, this is, see? This is where the, where, where it is, see? Voices, come on in. So I start walking through that room, and I can smell that sweet smoke drifting up around that blue light bulb. And I hear this sound of rising, see. And I just, you know, I can't find my friend, you know. I wonder if it's, uh, is Fred here? <laughs> and I just thought, I mean, Fred was going out and have a Coke tonight, you know, so. so I just sort of sat down in the corner here, see, trying to get my bearings, get my retinas all nicely adjusted, see. I don't know nobody here, see. And that's the secret of a place like this. Nobody knows you. You don't know nobody. You're just here together, see. And this, this sound just kept coming out. Well, I sat there. Must have been eight, nine, ten hours. Finally, I see coming in through the Venetian blinds. That Venetian blinds over the corner. I see a little faint glimmer of Bronx dawn coming in, see, which is a special kind of dawn, see. So I got up and my two knees cracked a little bit because I've been sitting on the floor there in my in my blue jeans, you know, all night. I get up and I say, 
I'll see you. Somebody says, yeah. And I just walk out into the... Into the... Into the passageway and get in the elevator, and five minutes later, I'm in the subway. Now, how do you like that little story? I didn't meet the little bear, the mama bear, the big bear, nothing. Yeah. I just hear them sounds coming out, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I see. I, ju I just thought you ought to... I don't know that uh, all of us... Uh... <laughs> now, anybody, anybody... George, uh, do, you, do you agree? <laughs> do you agree, Meds, that, that anybody, anybody who's been there knows that that, that that is authentic? I ain't making it up. And, uh... I tell you, you know, that, that, that there's a lot of ways of life. You know, in fact, you begin to find out that the Howard Johnson is not the only way to spend the Saturday night. It, uh, it really ain't. <laughs> and and uh, everything has its own everything has its own value. In fact, uh, in fact, uh, you want to hear another little story very similar like that? Well, I'm in the army. I'll tell you another one. I'm in the army. See, one night I'm I'm wandering around through a town named Neosho. Neosho, Missouri, and and you know we all see. I think I think most people spend a good deal of their lives reading about the the borderline existence. They read about it. They see it in, in Midnight Cowboys. See, and they uh, their their only real kicks is coming from uh, reading about stuff and seeing it in movies. Well, then there's the other kind of guy who, through accident or whatever you might say, has somehow contrived to meet these things head on. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one night. I'm I'm walking down the street in the Osho. You are talking to a PFC. And uh, I'm out on pass. It is a it is a Friday night, just like tonight. And I'm walking along this dark street in a little town in Missouri. Well, it wasn't really a little street, really. It was kind of just off the main drag. A lot of pool halls and junk there but kind of dark compared to the main street. And I'm heading towards the bus station. And I see this G.I. sitting on a stoop there, on a concrete stoop. And I walk past him. He says, hey, Mac. And I said, yeah. He says, you got a match? I said, yeah. And I hand him a match. He says, you going to the bus station? I said, yeah. He kind of looked at me and he puffed at a cigarette. He said, bus don't leave for another 45 minutes. I said, that's right. No action here. He said, no action. I said, yeah. He said, you want to see action? And five minutes later, we are in this place. It is dark. I never realized things like this existed. I mean, it was available to the ordinary man, especially the ordinary PFC. I walk into this joint, and at the time I walked in, I must have had 17 good fat bucks on me. That's 17 big round iron men hanging into my wallet there. And I wasn't in that joint, though, maybe two, three minutes, and I'm down to my last 50 cents. Just as quick as that, they just peeled me. There was a word. I mean, the, the last two, I can't figure out what the last, it's a, something about being uh, tattooed and 
blued. I don't know the rest of the phrase, but I remember it just sort of hung around me there. And I, I, I walked into this joint, and it, uh, it was kind of dark and misty, and a lot of people running around. And, and uh, somebody handed me a drink or something, and I drank it, and it tasted like Novocaine. Went right down, right into my gut, just like Sowie. I drank another one, had little sprigs of mint sticking out at the top of it. Then I remember there was a big fat girl with black hair hanging down her back, hanging out to my elbow for a while, and she kept crying. And I kept telling her, don't worry, Jake will be all right. I don't remember who Jake was, and she kept crying, hanging on me, calling me Howie. And this went on for about two or three hours, and I kept drinking those things that tasted like Novocaine. Five minutes later, there's two MPs got a hold of me, and one guy's hitting me upside the head, says, get up, you slob, get out of here. And the next thing I know, I'm going to slam it. Now, you just didn't know this side, did you, friends? <laughs> you didn't know those things. Well, there's a lot you don't know. I mean, there's a lot that we don't talk about. I mean, it's just hanging there in the air there. Now, uh, you can't imagine uh, David Brinkley having problems like this. You just can't imagine uh, Chet or Dave <laughs> walked into this room with the blue lights lit up. But uh, that's something else. Uh, then uh, you want to hear another one. You don't want to hear another one of these, do you? Probably the wildest one I ever saw like this. One time I'm in Munich. Now, Munich ain't in Pennsylvania, friends. I better not tell you this story. Nah, there's kids listening at this hour. They all watch those Richard Widmark movies that are on late at night, you know, about secret servicemen in post-war Germany. It's not quite that way, friend. There's a lot more to it. Wouldn't it be great to be flying a kite right now? Just occurred to me. Okay. All right, just didn't grab you, right? <laughs> My God, I'll reach out and grab you. But uh, that'll be another story. However, uh, on the, on the, uh, on the, uh, all right, we'll straighten up now. We'll, okay, should we tell you a real nice little story about the Bobsy twins? Wouldn't you like that? Listen, there was a... Well, I'm not kidding. Do you know if there was a stripper that was working at joints years ago called the Littlest Bobsy Twin? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Of course, uh, these things that come about, uh, they sneak up on you. I, I remember one time you know, talking about the... Uh, talking about tasting the other side of life. I, I think you kind of suspect that sometimes it's going on. And other times you just don't want to face that it is going on and you're part of it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm reminded of the first time I did a remote. I, uh, you ever hear, you know, you know what a remote is, don't you? Well, a lot of people don't. I mean, I imagine listeners, they may not know what a remote is, but do you, uh, there's a broadcast that is remote from the studio. Now, a remote is when uh, you hear an announcer in the studio, in just a moment we will take you to Madison Square Garden. And then they'll play a spot. And now here he is, here is Aki Klobbervetter in Madison Square Garden to bring you the play-by-play. -play. And then you're... That's a remote. He's, uh, he's being brought on one of these cheapy New York telephone lines with all the hum on him. He's being, bro he's being brought out from someplace outside of the studio. One day, the boss, this boss uh, I was working for, I was 17. I was going to high school. And uh, I was doing my first summer in radio. And uh, listen, I'll tell you, you heard about the dewy-eyed? Uh, do I, listen, I had more dew coming out of my eyes. I used to keep it in thermos jugs. I was that dewy-eyed. And uh, I had roses in the cheeks and everything, saying I'm 17, so it was summertime. And old Big Sam, the program director, called me in.
And uh, I guess he assigned me to this particular uh, duty because at the time I was playing football, although I didn't know it. I mean, didn't I, I didn't know why. I thought it was talent that was bringing me in, but <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the fact that I was probably burlier than anybody else on the staff. So he calls me and he says, uh, Shep, and I said, yes. He said, uh, you know how to do a remote? And I said, well, uh, no, but, uh, I'll, you know, what is it? Uh, do you need a soldering iron? And uh, he says, no. He says, a remote? A remote is done this way. I'm going to send you out with Stan, the engineer, and uh, you guys are going to go to this place, and it's a very, very, uh, very posh joint, and it's in Calumet City, Illinois. And he said, you're going to go to this joint. Now, a lot of people don't know what Calumet City is. Uh, hearing this, you probably, uh, this, this means nothing to you. But Calumet City, friends, is a, is a, is a town that uh, for a long time was devoted to sin. I mean, it did not deal in sin. It did not dabble in sin. It was devoted to sin. It was, in a sense, it was the, uh, it was the Vatican City of passion. And, uh, yeah, every, uh, the streets lined one after the other with these joints. I mean, you never saw anything like it. Now, I'm 17 years old. I'm fresh, dewy-eyed, and I'm, uh, I'm playing football in high school and all that. And Big Sam has assigned me to go down to... Would you please, if you will, sneak it in there just a little bit. You know, this place was so tough. This place was so hairy. This place was so rough that they didn't allow anybody in there under 40. I mean, this was a tough joint. I mean, and, and uh, believe me, they, they'd frisk you to see whether you, when, you know, when you come in, they'd frisk you for your sidearms, and they wouldn't let you in unless you had them. It's the other way around. Because you had to defend yourself once you got in there, see. This joint called the Riptide. Oh. In every town, there is one tough joint named the Riptide. Whenever you see that big blue sign flashing up in the sky there, flickering off and on with the neon, it says, Riptide, dine, dance, drinkies, Riptide. You just keep walking on, friends. You just keep walking on. It's right next to another place. Kit Kat Club. In every town, there's a place called a Kit Kat Club. And man, if you want to get peeled and shucked and tossed to the wind, you go into that Kit Kat Club. And that's right next to the Hi Hat Club, which also is a little bit on that order there. See, but a little bit, the, it's more of the family joint, the Hi Hat Club. See, family strippers there. Sort of nice, matronly, middle aged ladies that get up there and wear flower print dresses and strip. By the way, <laughs> did I ever tell you the most exotic stripper that I ever saw working in the Riptide joint was a lady who billed herself as the PTA mother. And she was a middle-aged lady with a, with a flowered print dress, and she came on wearing white gloves, and she had a flowered hat, and she had rimless glasses, and she did the most erotic, most unbelievable hairy show that I ever saw in my life. Yeah. <laughs> well, there I am. See, I'm 17. I've been sent down with Big Stan. And they put me up behind a bar. They one of these circular horseshoe bars, see. And they put me up behind a bar with a microphone. And Big Stan is sitting down there hiding behind his, behind his Collins, his Collins amplifier, looking a little scared, see, because this is a Big Stan, you see, taught Sunday school, and he just never came to places like this. And the smoke was swirling, and all these men with the hard looks and the ladies with the yellow hair were sitting around. 
at the bar there, looking, not saying a word, just drinking them drinks as fast as they could drink them. Once in a while, I wanted to get up and walk out. Another one to come and sit down. And there was always a mysterious game going on in the background. And the place was black, and the bar was all lit up with purple and green and moving neon lights. The riptide. And every night at 8 o'clock, I'd get up there on that stand, and I'd say, Now, here you come, friends. From downtown Calumet City, Illinois, we bring you Chuck Acree and the Colorado Cowhands. Coming your way from the riptide. And in the background, you hear the sound of Big Fred and his quintet. They're playing here until Chuck Acree and the boys start. So join us for a little dining, a little dancing, a little uh, brass knuckles maybe, and a little uh, shooting, a little fist fighting. And I'd stand back there hiding, waiting for it to break out. Yeah. And then it was the night when two guys, you want to hear a real story? I'm standing up back at the bar there, see? And the band is playing, and I'm working away there, see, doing the remote. When all of a sudden, two guys walk in wearing black overcoats. They just walk along the bar right in front of me, see? And all these people are looking up with their, their gray faces and their, their, their beady eyes. When all of a sudden, these two guys stop behind one guy to the left of the bar, and they stuck a long knife in his back, just zipped like that. He just fell over backwards, and nobody looked to the left or the right. And the music just kept right on going. The bartender came out from behind the bar and grabbed them and dragged them off into the kitchen. Nobody said a word. Smokey Joe. Yeah. And the music just played on. I says, now folks, we're just having a good old time down here at the Riptide. Come on down. We'll be down here until 2 o'clock this morning. Yes, sirree, the Riptide. Join us. <laughs> Shepherd's doing a strange show here tonight. Yes. I mean, I can just already see. <laughs> My husband Charles and I feel. And that's all right. That's all right. Now, I'll tell you, um, on the other side of it, though, one of the, uh, <laughs> one of the nights where, where I had the, you know, the kind of surprise was the, uh, was the night, again, this is uh, in connection with a remote. And I was sent out to do this remote. I couldn't believe it. It was at a church. And uh, have you ever heard re religious remotes? A lot of people uh, don't quite, you know, know the whole background to a lot of these things. But uh, when you work in one and get involved in one, they're fascinating. And I was sent down as the engineer and the announcer, combined engineer and announcer. And uh, that's called a combo man. And... Uh, and I, I arrived, this was on the south side of Chicago, again, 17. This was near the end of that summer, after I had done the Riptide remote. And by the way, the reason the Riptide went off, it got raided one night, right in the middle of our show. And uh, and the fuzz came charging in. There was a lot of yelling and hollering. And I grabbed a hold of the mic, and, and the band just kept the playing over there in the background. See, you know, it's just like a, sh a ship that is sinking, you know. And uh, whenever, you know the story of the Titanic... When the Titanic is sinking, the band is playing the Star Spangled Banner as it's going down, you know, <laughs> to keep the people calm. Well, the band kept playing there while the fuzz is throwing them into the wagon. I mean, to keep the people from stampeding. And I said, due to technical difficulties, uh, we are cutting our program short here from the Riptide tonight, and that we suggest you call up tomorrow night for more reservations and join us down here tomorrow. That is, if uh, we're all out of jail. But uh, outside of that, we got technical problems. <laughs> 
you know, it's Friday night. You can, I can afford to, uh, you know, it's the end of the week. You can, after all, uh, Friday night is is the night when when man turns away from his more, his more uh, mundane workaday pursuits. He turns away from the file cabinet. Correct. All right. He turns away from uh, making those phone calls. Right. And he begins to think of other things, the ills and the passions of the flesh, right? Well, that's what we're thinking of here. You know, it's Friday night. Why not, after all? And so one night, uh, this was in Toledo. You know, I'm fascinated by the new interest, and I, and I dig it. I think, I think one of the new developments that is really great is that uh, a lot of kids, not their old men so much, a lot of kids are taking a, 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 a new and, and, I think, an extremely healthy interest in America as a place. And so you find a lot of kids, uh, you know, getting on motorcycles and driving to places like Toledo and Denver, whereas their father, when he got his vacation when he was a kid, you know, in college, his idea of a fantastic thing was to get a bicycle and ride through Belgium. <laughs> whatever relevance that had to do with life, but he did. It's a, it's a different, uh, it's a very different view. And uh, by one mistake and another, I found myself doing all that stuff. In fact, uh, the one movie that I think that has great relevance to my life is Easy Rider. I mean it. I don't mean as a movie. I mean as a story of my life. I'm serious. <laughs> and, and so, so I have to be. I have to be cool in one summer in Toledo. Now I don't know whether you know anything about Toledo. See, I was on the road, and I tell you, I was scratching. I was really on my uppers that summer. And uh, and I came into town. I'll never forget this night. I came into town in Toledo. You know, Toledo is a tough town, and you better know Toledo. And I didn't know Toledo, but all I know is that the wind was blowing in off the lake, and I was, I was walking cool. And uh, I mean, I, you walk real loose. And I, I came, I came into Toledo there that night, and um, I was, you know, looking around, casing the joint, trying to figure out where I could find a place to, to uh, sack out. And uh, usually, what I do, you know, when I get into a town like that, the first thing you head for is this, uh, something like the Y. See, so I got a couple of bucks in my pocket, so I go down and, and I'm sacking out in the Y there, and I get up, I got a. They didn't have any beds available, so I slept in the lobby. Now, these things you learn, you know, you, you, you know how to sleep. I, I, I can sleep in chairs. I can sleep in fern plants. I have, uh, I have trained myself to uh, sleep in the, uh, the baggage compartments on the top of uh, moving railroad trains. I, I mean, I have slept on the top of barracks bags. I've slept upside down. I've slept on motorcycles. I've slept every conceivable possible way. So I'm sleeping in the widest night. And uh, it's about 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, and I get up, and I'm feeling a little stiff, so I decide I need a hamburger. So I go down to the White Castle. Now, I have been in more White Castles. I'm telling you, I know the interior of every White Castle from here all the way to El Paso up to Denver. And so I go into White Castle number 7, right, at the heart of uh, Toledo there on Huron Boulevard. And I walk into the White Castle, and I see a guy behind a counter, and I says, no kidding. And he says, yep. It's a guy I pulled KP with from months before in the Army. And I said, man, you are laying a hamburger on me, aren't you? And he says, you bet I'm laying a hamburger on you. He says, any guy to pull KP and work the grease trap with me in Company K is due for a hamburger. And so it was just like God had spoken to me. I mean, it was like a miracle. There I was scratching, nothing but two bucks in my pocket. I'm sleeping in the Y, 
and I'm latched on to a mother load of free hamburgers, just like that. And it's been on the ozy, ozy, easy road ever since, man, all the way. So play it. Oh, wait a minute now. You got another assignment. You want a sign to listen to my program. There will be information on that show that will appear on the examination at the end of this semester. That is an assignment. 